Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to one or episode 182 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today is Nicole Lauren. She is the CEO of JCEO here in Plattsburgh. Um, and I've actually, I was telling her before we started, I'm super excited because one, I've been trying to get her on for a while. Or she's been on my list. I don't want to meet and like she's not trying to come on. She's been on my list for a while. Um, and so I'm happy that she's here. But then also I felt, I feel like I've haven't done this in such a long time, which I think is semi-true, uh, just between traveling, rescheduling, sicknesses, and all that fun stuff. But we're here, um, and I'm very excited to have Nicole today. So, Nicole, for people who do not know you, kind of give us a rundown who you are, where you came from, how'd you get here in 2022? <laughs> First, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, I am actually originally from Vermont, and I came over to this side of the lake when I went to college at Plattsburgh State. And once I graduated, I decided to stick around. My family now lives in Shazy, so I've got a couple of kids. They go to school there, um, and we've just stuck around and really enjoyed it. I've had an interesting career so far, kind of a bunch of random things that have led me to where I am now in my current role. So I took over as the chief executive officer in October, and our agency covers two counties, and we're a community action agency. We provide a lot of services to the community, a fairly large agency. A lot of people don't know that about us, but we are two counties, 120 plus employees, and we operate about an eight and a half million dollar a year budget. So you have 120 employees? We do. Actually, pre-COVID, we were about 150. So we've wow. been at 120 since then. Now, is that uh, does that include people that are like part-time? Does that include people that are kind of like per diem? Or is that... All of the above. Okay. Um, the bulk of our staff are actually in our Head Start Early Head Start program. Okay. So we operate that in both counties as well. And Head Start, is that for children? Yes. Organizations? Yep. Okay. And then the main office is Plattsburgh? Technically. So our okay. main office for Clinton County is Plattsburgh. And then we have a main office out of Malone for Franklin okay. County. And then we have several individual sites, Head Start centers, outreach centers. So as CEO, you're the top person of all the branches? Correct. Okay. So how do you find that role now as being the head honcho? Because you took over for, who, who was there before you? Bruce Garcia. It was Bruce. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure there wasn't someone in between. So you took yeah. over for Bruce. Mm-hmm. How's it been so far? Definitely big shoes to fill. And yeah. I've been reminded of that leading into the position. Um, but it's been a really great transition. Thankfully, we had a few months before he retired for us to kind of work on training and some one-on-one time to really help with that transition. Um, it's a wonderful agency. We have a lot of long-term employees who are really dedicated and they've been really open to, to this change. So, okay. So in this, and you were there about two years before you became CEO. Correct. Okay. Yep. I'm I'm just going off your dates here. So I'm I'm hoping those are correct, but, Mm -hmm. um, it was that, uh, so pretty quickly you kind of, you went in and got to the top position. So like the whole transition from getting into JCEO to where you are now, like how has that evolved from the start? So I was originally hired as development director. Um, So I was brought in to help with grants, fundraising, advertising, marketing, kind of a whole mix of things. It was actually a lot of fun. 
And I joke sometimes like if I'm having a rough day, which doesn't happen very often, but occasionally I was like, why did I do this? I was having so much fun before. (laughs) Um, So I was hired to do that and instantly fell in love with the agency and everyone there and really loved our mission and knew pretty quickly that I wanted to do more. Didn't know when that would happen. And then Bruce announced his retirement and things kind of just fell into place after that. And I'm really, really happy that I ended up there. So what's kind of a normal uh, day in the life of Nicole? Well, every day is an adventure. (laughs) So um, at the beginning, it was kind of full on everything COVID related for those first few months through the winter with it being pretty intense um, with the number of cases and just the amount of staff we have. And then you're operating classrooms on top of that. So that really took up the bulk of my time. Probably 95% of my time was really COVID-related response things at the mm-hmm. beginning. But now that knock on wood, things are slowing down or improving, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm able to focus on more strategic things that are much more exciting. Uh, staff are very open to ideas on maybe doing things a little differently, especially because we've been kind of limited in how we're operating the last couple of years just to limit exposure. So now that we're slowly reverting back to some sort of normal, people are really happy to try different things and provide services in different ways. So that's been really exciting for me. So, and again, I'm assuming as a, you know, as a CEO, you're like the leader of the organization and the idea of maybe strategy or, or, you know, whatever that might be, but it's Mm -hmm. probably more big picture stuff versus the details or... Um, Sometimes I like to get in the details if it's something I'm really passionate about, but that's something... Um, that I have a great team for and they really handle a lot of those details, but they also like to collaborate. So we have a lot of discussions about kind of like big picture, what will this look like? What do we need to do? Where do we want to go? And they're great about kind of figuring out the details, getting input from staff and running with things. What, uh, what do you, the reason I asked this, cause I, you know, as we've grown to and I've gone from, you know, definitely like sales cause you do real estate sales mm-hmm. and then I, I still do a lot of real estate sales, like and focus on that, but then it's also thrust into like the leadership management, it's kind of almost like a CEO kind of of the company. And in my head, it's 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 like trying to be the most efficient that I can and trying to focus on the most impactful things that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you broken that down in your role? As like these are the main things I need to focus on, and these are my main job descriptions because I find as a CEO and as someone that's leading, there's there's two, there's twofold. Like number one, you need the time and energy and, and I, I just call mental like stamina to just think through problems. And I find that that's very taxing. Um, and then, you know, finding the time to do that in a crazy, you know, schedule, obviously I know you're uh, a parent and then you have this job, but trying to figure out when you can get some free time just to think. And then you also have to have the leadership aspect. And then you also have to deal with, you know, just the people in the organization and then you also then have to deal with like executing on certain things because again, as a chief executive person, you know, executing and all that and it's trying to compartmentalize everything and get it done in the day. So how do you look at your job or break it down or what's your main focus is or in a perfect world, what would your main focuses be? So for me going into this position, I knew people was the number one thing I wanted to focus on, especially coming through this pandemic it has been very taxing on our staff as it has been for everyone everywhere. And I knew that was where I wanted to put a lot of my energy and to be able to do that, I needed feedback from our employees. So we've been focusing a lot on that, like trying to figure out 
what do our staff need? Was it training? Is it something with work-life balance? That type of thing. So that's been a huge focus. But in terms of day-to-day and juggling and all of that, also time management. Um, I'm very much a calendar user. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our directors are now learning that about, like I schedule. I like to schedule my meetings and my appointments and even block off time if there's some project I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that might mean that I need some sort of quiet time to actually get that done. So kind of trying to figure out how I balance all of those things and understanding there are things that are pressing and have to be dealt with immediately. And then you kind of layer in those extra projects and that fun stuff that you want to do and the strategic stuff. And also knowing the people that you can delegate to who want to help further those things. And that's been huge for me is basically partnering with our employees to kind of make these things happen and know that I can't do everything myself. Mm but I can provide guidance or resources or be there for a listening ear to bounce those ideas off of. Are you good at delegating? I am getting better. Okay. I, it, it's tough because mm-hmm. now what, what, what do you think is the hardest part about delegating? I kind of like to know that things are going to be taken care of. So for mm-hmm. me, it was like letting go of control to know that, okay, if I assign this to so-and-so, it's going to happen. It's going to be done. I don't need to keep checking on it type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's my personality, um, which obviously bleeds into your leadership style, but that's something I am getting better at. Um, so I'm guessing like as a person and, and throughout your career, you've been a very detail oriented, like get this, like, mm-hmm. um, like you said, you're very organized, making sure that you're hitting deadlines, making sure you're hitting goals and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I find I have no problem with delegating anything. Like I want to delegate because my head, I got to free myself up for those bigger impact projects. The hardest part for me with delegating is I have to, is the training the person on what to do when I hand it to them. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they can't do it. And it's not that it's just in order for me to get out of my mind and get them on the same page. I have to find the time to do that, which sounds like silly that cause you're like, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't free you up time. It like it does, but then trying to find, you know, and, it, and I don't know, that's always been the hardest for me, but do you find that problem too? So now it's like, it's like a short term versus long term. So in the short term, it, it makes more sense just to do it yourself. But in the long term, yes. if you teach them, um, but that's definitely an adjustment. If you're someone who likes to kind of just get it done and take care of the things. Yeah, I think I've realized, too, especially in those first couple of months with the transition with how busy I was, I realized how quickly like there were things that weren't a good use of my time mm-hmm. and I needed to learn how to let go of some of those things. And even transitioning from within the agency there were things that I loved that I did before that I wanted to still kind of like be involved in in some way. And I quickly realized that wasn't realistic. Um, I'm very fortunate that we hired an amazing development director who, you know, Ellie yep. Gent, she's yep. wonderful. So I've been able to really let go of things. But at the beginning, it was kind of hard because you spend all this time and all this energy working on things and building them up. And then you just kind of let go of them. Yeah. But you quickly realize what you can fit into your wheelhouse now and what you can't. So so you were kind of getting squeezed out, meaning you knew what you had to let go of. Correct. Okay. And even, I mean, outside of work, I've been involved in a lot of committees and boards and different groups. And I very, well, very quickly realized I needed to whittle that list down a little bit. So I, I'm flipping through your, uh, I was actually flipping the, the question I had was, you said you were from Vermont and you went to Northeastern, so you were mm-hmm. like the Albert kid? Isle of Mont. Isle of Mont. okay. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because there's not a whole lot on, like... I mean, I've driven around Isle of Mont on a boat many mm-hmm. times, but it's only such a big place, you know? So, yep. um, I just, my mom taught there for years. So I just know that there's uh she was my teacher. Well, she, there yep. you go. Science class. There you mm-hmm. go. Um, but, um, that's what I always said. I remember there's like kids in Northern Vermont that went to Northeastern, which I thought was always kind of a, a 
funny thing. But back to, maybe we'll talk about that after, but back to, I was flipping trying to get it and you have mm-hmm. a ton of p- things here with volunteer work. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the position that you're in as a volunteer, like, I mean, you're in a, I say volunteer, but you're in like a, a, a industry where you give back and help others. Is mm-hmm. that, where did you start with that? Like the idea of trying to be involved or help others or give back, like as a young age or? Yes, absolutely. So when I was a kid, I was always doing some sort of volunteer activity, volunteer work, whatever you want to call it, um, all the way through middle school, high school, college. And I've just always kind of had that mindset. And I actually knew for a while I wanted to be in that field if we're talking career. But to be totally honest, I didn't know how to actually get there, Um, how to make that leap into that environment versus just volunteering in your spare time type of thing. And I was really lucky to kind of stumble into the opportunity. The timing was right. Everything kind of fell into place. And in hindsight, I wish I would have done it a long time ago because it's amazing when you match what you're passionate about with what you're actually doing for work. Yeah. So, um, and were you like as a, I guess as a kid, was it like your family the same way or did you have like mentors as a child that showed you like the value of volunteerism or giving back or helping others? All of the above. Um, I lived in a really, really tiny town. We had like 400 people that were year round residents and there was a huge focus on trying to get the youth involved in something positive. Mm -hmm. Um, My kindergarten through sixth grade school had 35 kids in it, if that gives you an idea. And there was always this concern that kids were going to end up doing bad things or involved in things they shouldn't be if they weren't given opportunities. And we didn't have that in our town. So I was lucky to be um, introduced to individuals in the community who wanted to try to give opportunities and help kids have access to different things. So I had a lot of opportunities that way. And my parents were involved in the community as well. So I had great examples. And... Okay, so then you went to Plattsburgh State, mm-hmm. which I'm an alumni too, so shout out cards. Um, mm-hmm. But criminal justice, why, why that? Because <laughs> everything else is like mm-hmm. very, you know, she seems pretty consistent, and then yep. criminal justice as a major. So I actually originally decided to go to Plattsburgh State because I wanted to be a teacher. And okay. I very quickly realized after working in retail while I was going to school that I didn't have the patience to be a teacher. <laughs> um, I even had shadowed my third grade teacher. And I was like, yep, this is actually not for me. Um, So I wanted to change my major and I briefly thought I wanted to be a lawyer and then I didn't. And I just really loved like the, the people side of it, the sociology and psychology and that sort of thing. And it just, it just kind of interests me. So that's what I went with and then pieced together other random things after that. So criminal justice, more that, like you said, the psychological, sociology. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it wasn't like, what did you, what was your end goal with the degree? Or hope for it? I really didn't know when I picked it. Okay. I'll be totally honest. You just thought it was kind of a cool thing? Yeah. I was just interested in it at the time, and I said, why not? Let's see where it goes. Did you spend a lot of time in Red K? I did. Right? Because that was, wasn't that where the headquarters was? Yep. Um, a lot of evening classes in that building. Yeah. Was there a second story there, or was it just the first? Was, I there think was there was two? was two. Yep. I can't remember. I took a lot of classes, and I don't think I ever took the same type of course in that. I took an accounting. I took an economics. Mm-hmm. I took a anthropology um, probably something else. I feel like I took a statistics course there. It was just, uh, it was just a weird building. It was almost like the overflow building that everything mm-hmm. just got jammed into that. I think Sibley's a little bit like that too. Just start, maybe, I don't know. It just seems like there's like, you have the science wings, you have mm-hmm. the communication wing and just everything went dumped in the red K. I was kind of all over. I actually still have nightmares now that I'm late for class because I go to the wrong building. So, and it's well, been years. <laughs> well, the thing, the one thing, so going to Plattsburgh, 
I've never been in the building, but a Sable, the new one they built, mm. which was the parking lot right outside. Uh, it yep. was the off street parking. I never stayed on campus, so I was always uh, a commuter. Um, but my senior year, they started buildings. So they tore up the parking lot, and then they ended up building this, like the business building. And I'm like, at the time, like, man, I spent every day in that, like that little triangle right there around Hawkins Pond, which was Red K, mm-hmm. I don't know, what it, Hudson, I think it's Hudson, and then um, Hawkins. So it's just like that little, you bounced around, but I'm like, we never had this like state of the art, like business building. And that we've had interns and stuff here. And I'm like, how's that building? Like, yeah, it's really sweet. And I'm like, okay, great. Like I got to stop in and see it. I'm sure I could walk in there, but maybe, maybe but that was my parking lot. So, um, but so criminal justice after, so you just never applied that to anything? Not directly. No. Okay. You're the same as I, or I'm the same as you. I had a supply chain management degree mm. and I found out very quickly at, well, I did an internship and I, it was just like. I didn't like it. I didn't mm-hmm. like the internship. And then I'm like, I don't really want to work in a corporate environment. Like I'm out. And that just never, thank God. Cause I would have, <laughs> I think gone nuts. Um, but that's why I like the free flowing day of, of real estate. And I think is your days kind of, is there a lot of routine to your day? Do you kind of have just anything could come up during the day? Anything could come up. Um, obviously we have kind of standard things, certain committees and board meetings and that sort of thing. And then from there I fill it in with everything else. Do you find that, do you like that aspect? It just changes up? I do. Um, I've also been able, being that we're so spread out, I've been able to go to our Malone main offices and locations out there a few times already in Mm -hmm. the last few months. Um, So it's nice to have that flexibility and be able to visit the other sites. So what is, what is some, uh, you said time management, like what's some time management hacks that you're really good at? Mostly the calendar use. Okay. Um, If it's not on my calendar, or on my sticky note or my to-do list, it's probably not going to happen. Are you a Google Calendar person? Outlook. Outlook. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. I yep. I use. Is Outlook? Do you think it's better, or do you? That's just what I'm used to. Okay, that's fine. Because I, mm-hmm. for the longest time, I was using Apple Calendar, and I, I realized mm-hmm. that Apple. I love Apple. Apple Calendar is terrible compared to Google Calendar, and I like. Although I'm colorblind, I can see shades of colors. So I really like the idea that I can change all the colors in my calendar because I always mm-hmm. have. Red on my calendar means I'm with somebody. So red, I don't know why it's like a little mm-hmm. kid thing. Like red, stop. Like mm-hmm. don't basically meaning like you can't put anything over red time because I'm with someone else and I'd have to call somebody and change the calendar. Um, but like my eyes can go to that because I'm the same thing. I have reminders. I have mm-hmm. tasks. I have like my calendar. I think I look at my calendar more on my phone than anything on my phone in a day because I'm constantly like. Before this, I'm like checking, okay, if this, and then what, just make sure that like mentally I'm mm-hmm. like, everything's good. Okay. Appointment, next thing. Um, do you find that you get anxiety with your calendar? Not really. Does it um, keep you kind of even keel? Pretty even keel. I do have mine color coded as well. Okay. So I have like different ones if they're training, if it's a committee meeting, if it's community involvement, volunteer, like everything's color coded. Is there, is there a reason for that? Or are you saying it looks pretty like... It actually was something that one of my mentors, Rosemary, taught me um, to basically like if you want to reevaluate your time, if you feel like you're struggling in an area, you can look at your calendar and say, okay, it's because I'm spending too much time on A, B or C because the colors kind of jump out at you. Okay. And it's been really helpful just to kind of like keep things straight in my head. So, so I have a, so like I, mine's like green, red, it looks like a Christmas tree. So green is like when I'm by myself Mm -hmm. and then red's when I'm with people. And to be honest, I found that more and more my schedule I've had to like change up a lot because the priorities changing. So I really like when I see green in my calendar because I love meeting people. I love being with people. But 
the thing I struggle with the most is just getting free time to do everything. Like mm-hmm. as I told you, like my desk, I just came back. My desk is the messiest my desk I think ever is. My desk is usually like, I, like I leave, there's nothing on my desk when I leave. I just like a clean slate. And, uh, it's, I just like look at all the stuff that's sitting on my desk. I'm like, I gotta do that. I gotta do mm-hmm. that. That's 20 minutes. That's two hours. That's, and then you start, that's when you're like, okay, what's the main thing I have to do and try to punt stuff and try to like get by and, the, the calendar idea so Fridays I started just like blocking off like no appointments on Fridays like it's just it's it's mm-hmm. appointment with myself the entire day which basically is just like get all the crap done that you didn't get done throughout the day to make sure you're not falling too far behind um, that's been really beneficial for me because mm-hmm. I find like the pro- there's the proactive and the reactive work side of it proactive meaning stuff that you want to take care of or you want to be on, on the offense and then I find on the defense is like answering emails and texts and phone calls and people stopping in and seeing you. And I try to limit that until after I get done my proactive time. So really, like if I get to a certain point of the day and I'm like, I got through kind of the major things I need to do today. The rest of the day, could just let's just like let things happen. I can ha- then I don't feel as ang- like anxiety ridden, like I can get stuff done. Um, so that's where I think the calendar would jump out as like a, a benefit. And mm-hmm. also people obviously know when I'm doing stuff. Um, I don't often schedule things on Fridays if I can avoid it because I like to have kind of like a cleanup day. I like to go back through my email and make sure nothing was missed and everything was taken care of and clean up my desk and all of that. So if I can avoid it, my Friday is pretty open. I also, I'm so is your weekends really uh, family oriented? Yes. Okay. So (laughs) I also selfishly use Friday as like my day of the week. Cause I go from like the work transition where I get like a day to clean up work, but then prep for the ensuing mm-hmm. two days of just kids and mm-hmm. just parenting. And then I usually find that I don't need much of a prep from Sunday to Monday. Cause at that point I'm just like mentally fried from the kids and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll be fine. I'll go back to work on Monday and I'm with adults and like, <laughs> I'm not picking up stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm picking up stuff in a, I guess more of a figurative sense in a literal sense. So, um, I think that, I think that's good. Now, how do you decompress from everything? That is a great question. There are actually some days where I'm like, I wish my commute was just a little bit longer. Okay. Because that 20 minutes sometimes isn't enough to like totally clear your mind. Um, not to mention things don't really stop just because I leave the office. So mm-hmm. there are many times throughout the evening, I mean, I'm still getting text messages or phone calls or knowing I'm waiting on an email that I need to take care of, that sort of thing. But I try really hard to keep the boundaries as much as I can. And that was one thing I was really clear with my director staff when I took over. As I said, if I ever email you in the evening, don't feel like you need to answer me. That mm-hmm. might just be because that's when I finally had a chance to slow down and get caught up from the day. Mm-hmm. And I said, if I ever really have an emergency or we need to talk, I will call you. And that's kind of been the same reciprocal idea too. Like if there's something that needs to be addressed, they're going to text me or, or give me a call in the evening. Otherwise, things wait till the next day. Do you get after evenings, is it more staff or do you have to deal with people outside of the company like you're not dealing with like I, I, like in my business we deal with like clients like mm-hmm. buyers and sellers and buyers and sellers will text you all hours of the day um but then it, like for me it's like if you're if you're dealing with staff i very rarely hear from the staff after hours because mm-hmm. it's kind of like i mean if something's crazy but it very rarely happens so it's more of do you have that where it's just mostly staff that would contact you or do you have to deal with i would say clients but people that you work with mostly staff related things okay. which again knock on wood is slowing down now that 
the COVID cases are declining slightly. Yeah. So, so you guys are, yeah, running into like anti oh, work yeah. or I mean, quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, re- regarding all the stuff that you guys do, like I, well, we're kind of, uh, kind of, I say secondhand, firsthand, secondhand, personally kind of seeing this with um, helping out like elderly people with like running around and doing errands. Like that's something you guys offer. We do. So we have a senior outreach service that will help with grocery shopping. It's been kind of a big thing with like the medicine. pandemic. Um, occasionally with medicine, but more more the grocery shopping came up a lot, which has kind of backed off a little bit too. But our senior outreach provides a lot around Medicaid um, mm-hmm. and Medicare questions, especially Medicare. They do a lot of um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? sessions like okay individual sessions group sessions that kind of thing for education so that's a huge part of what they help with and then general like referrals and information um it's a huge issue for seniors to find services that they need with people they can trust um so sometimes we're helping a senior who they have the means but they don't know who they should contact to help them with something around their house so we can help vet a lot of those types of situations Um, We work with a lot of seniors who don't have means for that type of thing. So we might try to connect them with a trustworthy volunteer or volunteer group to help them with what they need done. Um, How many volunteers work for JCO? A lot. Uh, Pre-COVID, we had hundreds. Um, If you counted like Head Start parents that were involved, our volunteer drivers for our transportation program, probably four to 500. Um, We've really cut back, obviously, with limiting exposure and that sort of thing. But we've now started to... To bump that up a little bit. How many people move things around logistically at JCL? Meaning like getting someone here, pick this person up, like almost like a dispatcher. So we do have our medical transportation program. Um, There's kind of two arms of that. We have rural transportation, which is really senior related, and that's often their medical appointments. And then we have a Medicaid transportation program. So we utilize volunteer drivers in both Clinton and Franklin counties to assist with that. And that has been a huge thing piece for our agency um it's a logistical beast yes (laughs) yep um that's probably the best way to put it so it's a lot of juggling and scheduling and phone calls and piecing all of that together um but it's a huge service that our community needs so what what uh like what maybe top three things at jco that you think are the busiest programs that you guys do you want me to rank them (laughs) well we just like in, in a nutshell like if you're like you know, like what, what are the major things that you guys, I mean, there's a ton of programs you guys do, but if you're mm-hmm. like, these are really like main ones that we are major pillars of our company. So yeah, you don't have to put them in order of importance. <laughs> They're all important. But yeah. Absolutely. I don't want to rank anybody. No. Um, Head Start, Early Head Start is our largest program from a funding standpoint, number of employees, and that operates in both counties. And that's providing education and resources for children basically zero to five, as well as their families. Um, So it's not just the education like in a classroom setting per se. There's also home-based visiting. There's services to help the families um, with life skills and access to health resources and all of a whole range of things that they need to be able to better parent essentially or enhance their family skills. Yep. Um, So that's a huge program for us. That's about a third of our funding each year. Oh, okay. Um, our community outreach program is kind of the one that people would, when they think of JCO, these are the types of services they're going to think of. So it's huge with our food assistance. We operate many food pantries. Um, we also help supply food to other outlying areas that don't have 
um, direct access that kind of ties into a food services program we have in Malone. But Mm -hmm. I mean, we could spend two hours kind of explaining all of that. We help with summer camp scholarships, back to school supplies, emergency services. So if people are having um, like shut off notices for their utilities or they're going to get evicted and they need help getting caught up, we can help with that type of stuff. So that's a huge one for us. Our energy services department, this is providing weatherization services to individuals who are low income. Um, to help with the efficiency of their home, which helps keep them in their home and reduce their costs. That's a big one for us. That also operates in both counties. We touched on their senior outreach program. That's one we operate just in Clinton County. And then we also have a daycare program. So we help daycares become certified registered. So that might be health and safety training, help with paperwork, et cetera. How, actually that last one, is that pretty prevalent? I mean, that's needed right now. We are in dire need of daycare providers. So that program is Clinton County, but I can tell you that's a need across the entire country. Yeah. And that, well, I mean, the only reason I'm aware of it now is because I have kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, what, what, what's the hardest thing for people to get into that? There's a lot of hurdles to jump to to create a daycare. And I think that often scares people away. Um, there is obviously a process with paperwork and there's requirements that they need to meet for their home or the location to be approved. Mm-hmm. So that often makes people shy away from it. Um, I think too, it's a little overwhelming if people want to do this to know like where to even begin. And that's something that we can help with. We can provide the training. We can help them with the certification, all of the things that they need to get started. Um, right now we're kind of working on figuring out like the business side of things. So our daycare director is doing a training right now that talks a lot on the financial piece Mm -hmm. to try to help with things like their record keeping and bookkeeping and all of that stuff so they can better run their business to make it more profitable, hopefully, because it's, it's not as profitable as it used to be. Not that it's about the money per se, but if this is what their career is, that's important. Yeah. Um, we also operate CACFP, which is the Child and Adult Care Food, food Program. And that allows daycare providers to get reimbursed for the food and snacks that they're providing. So there's a whole claims process, and that's something that we're involved in as well. So I was going to say, because I think most, I think a lot of people would do daycare service if it was a little more streamline I guess and I mm-hmm. that's what I had heard so I was just kind of wondering but I, I'd even think about which I should because like running a small business that would be the same thing like you have to know how to do accounting you have mm-hmm. to know how to do payroll or whatever or if it's just mm-hmm. um yeah and, and that's the other issue too is when you start getting the margins of it and people are paying you know a lot of money each month mm-hmm. to have it and then it just it's crazy right now with um yeah like there's some people I'm like I just don't know how they afford daycare and it's it's um it's incredibly expensive yeah. if you can even find a spot, but on the flip side, it, it's expensive because everything is expensive mm-hmm. and you look at the amount of time a provider is putting into this. I mean, they're open typically at least 10 hours a day, five days a week. And then on top of that, they still need to, in their spare time, get all of the bookkeeping and record keeping done and make sure they're in compliance with all of the requirements, which are there for safety reasons for the most part. So I understand, but it's a very, very tough job and I don't think yeah. people realize that not that I want to scare anyone else away because we need more yeah but that's the kind of stuff that um is making people shy away from it well I mean that was part of the thing when you talk about like the workforce like how many people are just staying home to watch kids now because they can't mm-hmm. like they can't find a place so one of the spouses has to stay home and then it um so I mean it's just this like trickle down of like or a cycle that just kind of keeps repeating but um yeah I, that, that was always just something I you know you hear so much about and obviously like the staffing shortages in a lot of places but mm-hmm. when you start coming up with like this this would help with the staffing shortages but then getting yeah so it's 
it's unfortunately kind of a vicious cycle. But um, now, like the the one that it, I I guess my question is, how do you guys promote JCO? And, and the reason I say this, and again, I'm just speaking from my experience, I only know a couple things that you guys do, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you can give me a whole uh, pamphlet on about. I don't know, a hundred different things that you guys do each day and each week and month. But um, how do people become aware of the stuff that you do? Is it, you know, do you guys promote a lot? I know you do the marketing, but, mm-hmm. or is it just people like word of mouth? I'm in a position, need help. And then people kind of just say, Hey, JCO, I know does something like that. A lot of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. We also have great partnerships with other local um, community groups in both counties. So that's huge for us too. It's, it's essentially like this large network and we all refer to each other depending on what each agency's niche is. So that's probably where the bulk of our our people hear about us is resources and referrals from other agencies. And we do the same thing. So if there's something that we're not able to do, we're going to do our best to help you find another agency that has that capability. And is JCO is, is like a national franchise or no? Nope. So we're a community action agency, which there are national ones. There's a state association, but we're our own, our own entity. Okay. So there's no like partner or affiliate that you're part of not exactly so we're tied to like the national community action partnership we're a member of that um but we're we're on our own essentially see like even that i don't think i knew because i just mm-hmm. think like joint counts like of academic opportunity but then of clinton and franklin but it could have been a, of isle of Mott, you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it just so i i always i always just it's almost like united way like i know there's a lot of united ways so i was mm-hmm. thinking of something along those lines so this is really like an independent homegrown little tri-county kind of thing Essentially, two county. Yeah, two county. Dual county. Um, So community action agencies are all over the country. There's over a thousand of them. Um, They essentially came out of the Economic Opportunity Act in the, I think it was 1965-ish, in the mid-60s. And different agencies were started to basically, as anti-poverty agencies, to help families and individuals get out of poverty and be self-reliant and self-sufficient. And that's where we kind of stemmed from. We were in Clinton County originally, and then we took on Franklin County. Uh, it was about 2012, I believe, 2014, in that range, um, aside from Head Start, which we were there in the late 90s. Okay. So we've grown since then and expanded into the Franklin County when another agency dissolved in that county. So how do you, and how do you guys fund? Is it a lot of grants, fundraising? Is it... We have a lot of grants, both federal and state. Okay. Um, so that's a bulk of our funding, as well as private donors grants that we apply for as well. Um, we get some United Way funding, a lot of different, kind of like a hodgepodge of things, yeah. um, but a lot of different funding sources that we answer to. Yeah. So I, and it, I'm a, you guys must have like a fundraising arm of the, the company? So that I'm falls like, under development director. Um, okay. We do... Basically, we have our one main fundraiser for the backpack program, which is our golf tournament. And then sometimes we have other organizations and groups like you guys do the for the kids tournament. And then we have some other groups that will occasionally do like small fundraisers for us. We get a lot of food drives, coat drives, that type of thing that kind of rolls in. Um, But for the most part, we try to apply for grants as much as we can and try to get the most that we can. So, again, I'm guessing there's people that are... There are people that are on staff that do a lot of just grant writing. Like, that's their job. They're really good at grant writing. That's Ellie, yep. Okay. Yeah, I know she was doing it before, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, fi- I figure, um, I know Elizabeth was probably very good at that in mm-hmm. Excel. Um, so, what was the main thing that drew you to JCO when you started? Like, why did you apply there? Was it just the fundraising? I really wanted to be in the nonprofit world. Um, I remember, it was actually during Rotary, and the previous development director was 
doing like a little thank you speech essentially for a donation that we gave and talking about the program that it was going to. And I just remember feeling like I, that's what I want to do. And at the time it didn't necessarily have to be JCO. Like I was passionate about it, but I was like, I want to talk about something that means something to me and makes a difference in someone else's life. Like that's what I want my time to be spent on. And it, it was a couple more years after that. It wasn't anything instant, but I just knew in my gut, like that's what, where I needed to be in some way. Um, was that always there? Or do you think that that's something you've, it's become more established over time with you? I think it was there and I ignored it for a really long time. Okay. Um, I think I made sometimes safe choices for financial reasons mm-hmm. to make sure that I had what I thought I needed, what I thought I wanted, um, and realized that that wasn't everything. I, I find like, like you, I was involved with stuff at a young age and you would, you know, you, you volunteered more because people told you to volunteer, but I didn't mind doing the work, like mm-hmm. whether it was uh, helping out with like the church thing or helping out with the school or doing just something um, where I wasn't getting paid. I was getting dragged out on like an evening mm-hmm. or a weekend or something. Mm-hmm. And, but I didn't mind the work. You made the best of it. And I think, um, and then also kind of seeing the impact that it had on people was good, but you're a kid, so you don't really value it as much. And I think as I got older, when you start talking and really seeing people and grasping the world for what it is, and like I said, whether it be kids or whether it be elderly or whether it just be people that you know don't have the means that other people have, and you start really looking at, I think, the world through a different lens is that you're doing stuff, but then it's – I'm the same. Like I, I, I like what I do because I help people with like homes. Like they have a goal. I'm good at that part of – like I'm good at – facilitating that i'm not good at grant writing don't call me to grant write, <laughs> but i can help you with with the home but then part of me too is like okay how can we then take that and how can we double up and how can we make that grow where we're affecting more people so i'm trying to do that from a in, like an internal office standpoint but then it when we started doing like the golf tournament that was something that was external but i was like okay it's giving back but then it's also fun because it in we're trying to put a fun way as to get people involved in volunteering and then also giving back to our community. And then I, you know, and, and then I think you attract like-minded people and then you obviously are part of rotary and everything else. You see it, um, very deeply every single day of, of how much people care locally in the community about other people mm-hmm. in the community. And I think are trying to do good things and trying to, um, leave the area a better place than we found it and, and mm-hmm. try to help people. And I, um, that it to me, as I've gotten older, especially over the, even the last five years, that's become more prevalent in my life where I'm really like making, when you talk about like goal setting and planning, like volunteering and, and stuff has been starting to itch its way more and more and, or expand more and more. My, my ultimate goals, it's not like, you know, sell more homes. It's more of like, okay, how can I be more efficient and have a bigger impact and be able to do other stuff? Um, but it's taken, it's taken time, but I, I do foresee that that will probably be a lifelong journey. And I think at a certain point after you spend all your life, like, you know, raising kids and working Mm -hmm. and accumulating whatever you can accumulate in life, then you spend the rest of your life, like one, trying to enjoy stuff. But I think you do try to find ways to give back and kind of, you know, whether that's mentorship or financing or just time, you try to give back to others. And, um, it sounds like that's going to be you. I mean, you're doing it now, like obviously an accelerated level, but I could see, that's probably something you're going to focus on throughout your life and probably only make a bigger and bigger impact. 
I've always kind of said like you give what you can when you can. Mm -hmm. So there are times in your life when you're going to be able to give your time, whether that be volunteering at an event or helping in some way like hands on. There will be other times in your life when you don't have the capacity for that, but maybe financially you can help. So I'm always of the mindset like, again, do what you can when you can. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can't help financially, that's okay. Give of your time. Because I think a lot of times people assume like if I can't donate a bunch of money, I'm not doing any good. And that's not true. Like there are many other ways that you can help support different groups and agencies. And I think that's really important. And I've also realized after many years of not knowing how to say no to different things, that it's also really important that you put your energy into things that have value to you, like something you're passionate about. If you're going to volunteer just for the sake of volunteering, but you don't truly have some sort of connection or you can't connect with what the mission or the goal is, then are you really providing any service or any value to that organization as well? So pick things that have a meaning to you, pick things that you're passionate about and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to give more to that organization. And I think that's really important too. Like don't just do it because you feel like you have to do it because you care about it and you want to be involved. Uh, Like when you start talking about like, I mean, you're on a lot of different, I say boards, but different, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, let's just say boards. We'll bring, blanket it all into that kind of stuff. But um, Or committees. Do you find, like a lot of them, do you, they fit into that passion? Or are you starting to kind of whittle through them to say like, hey, I'm only going to be on maybe three, but they're going to be my favorite three? I have definitely cut back a little bit in the last couple of years probably. Um, and I think a lot of that was just feeling like I had to keep doing things that I'd always been doing. Mm-hmm. So wanting to make sure that I was aligning where I wanted to be with what I was doing, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. um, and not putting energy into things that didn't have meaning for me. And sometimes that's hard, especially if you've been doing things for a while, but in the long run, it's, it's better to put more into something that you want to be involved in. Yeah. And I think, I think the hard part is I hate saying no to people, Mm -hmm. but then it's, you know, and I think, I think the good thing is as life has gotten crazier and busier and I've had children, not to say that saying no is easier. I just, I know I can't do it, so I'm forced mm-hmm. to say no. And it's not – so, like, you know, when it comes to boards and stuff, like, I'm on one right now, and I've said no to plenty of them. It's just mm-hmm. purely because of time. Like, I have to selfishly protect my time because my priorities is my family, and I have, like, I have a lot of responsibilities here. So it's like I hope in time that, you know, as the kids get older and you don't have that as, you know, as – uh or as needy as they are now at a young age, and then also the business can get to a point where I can leverage a little bit, that I will start diving into more give back, like back into the time. So I've gone from like time more to, I guess, money over time back to hopefully time mm-hmm. uh, or time and money at some point in time. But like right now, it's like protecting my time is so important that mm-hmm. I feel, I always feel bad saying no, but then I also know like I'll support you guys or, you know, I'll, I'll do an event or I'll, you know, if I can financially give something or if I can make a connection or, vol- mm-hmm. you know, volunteer another person I think would be good for the role. Cause I've mm-hmm. done that too, where I'm like, I can't do it, but here's like some really good people that if they want to do it would excel. And I still think giving support ties into that too. Like if you can't, like I said, like even the golf tournament, like if you can't be on the board or can't really give a lot of money, but you can at least play in our tournament, you're giving at least something. Um, or like I said, what, like especially rotary, like when they, when they do, a like my hardest part with rotary is just time. It's like, I think it's great, but you know, things are on weekends, things are at night. And it's like, it's like that's family time. Like I gotta, you know, make sure my wife's not killing me for <laughs> never being home. So, um, but how do you, I guess with the volunteering and being like the CEO, 
are you able to fit it in pretty easy? Is it struggle to fit it in? Or are you good at very, very good at prioritizing it? So before I answer that, I will add that I finally gotten to the point where I don't feel as guilty when I say no to okay. someone. That's good. That's tough to get to. So. Yeah, I used to feel terrible, so I would just say yes. Um, but now I've realized, like, I only have so much time and so much energy. So same as what you're saying, like, I need to understand kind of what my capacity is, and I don't want to be giving up all of my family time either. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that that was kind of a shift that was important. I fit what I can in as much as I can. Um, right now, my role with Rotary is a little different being that I'm the president right yeah. now. And to be totally honest, I am counting down to June 30th when that is done only because it is it is a huge time commitment yeah. on top of transitioning into my new role. And when I said yes to being president three, four years ago, I had no idea what happened at the exact same time I took over as CEO. Um, so the timing was a little tricky. <laughs> um but it's it's working out. I will be happy though when I'm I'm not having to field quite so many emails and phone calls and questions, and I can just be part of the club and and pick and choose the activities that I want to be involved in. It, it's uh like I said from a like a yeah from that standpoint, when I think about like the golf tournament, love doing it. But it, when it's done, I'm mm-hmm. like, thank God it's done. like I enjoy it. I love the yeah. day of, but then it's it's just everything that evolves around. I'm like, so it's in two weeks. Thank okay, two weeks. I'll get through it. Mm-hmm. On to. Um, and I hate feeling that way, but there's times where it's like, you kind of bite off a little bit more than you can chew and you know it. And, but it's like, damn, like all these things have to line up right now. And then I also find that age point too, like twenties, you start to kind of figure out your life and, and kind of figure out where you want to be. And, and then I find that thirties, you start to really establish it, but they're also very high impact. Like whether you're starting a family, whether you're trying to start a career, whether like all this stuff happens at one time and you're trying to have the capacity to do it all. And it's, I think the most challenging thing is, is you're basically thrust into it and saying, figure it out. And the time management is huge, but then like I'm learning skills right now that I never really had to use. Like they're, I know they're in there somewhere, but I'm like searching them out and I'm trying to polish them and make them a lot better. And a lot of it is like saying no, it's like Mm -hmm. limiting. Like one of the things that freaks me out is looking at, all of my responsibilities and thinking like, what can I cut? And then how can I cut it? And what do I have to do to make sure that I can't do that, but I free this up. And it becomes this like game of chess in my mind where I'm just like moving stuff around. Well, I say no to this, or I got to establish this, or I got to pay for this, or I got to ask this person or, or sometimes it might just be, I got to say no to these opportunities that are great. It's just my capacity is like, cause again, you got to value or put a lot of focus on what you really value, which for me is, you know, my family is, I really try to do nothing when it's family time. Like, I mean, hang out with the family like that, but I try very much to protect that time. And then I very much try to protect the time I know I need, which usually is the first thing to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how old are your kids right now? Nine and five. So Did, third grade in kindergarten. Are, are they at a mass now at school? Yes. Okay. So, um, who's your teachers actually? Mrs. Favreau and Mrs. Thum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kathy's, she, I had her in second grade. Mm-hmm. She might be the, when you're a kid and you leave, um, school, I, I think you really look back at a few teachers that like, you remember most of the teachers for the most part, but like there's some that like really stick out. She was my second grade teacher. And, uh, I don't think anybody's had her and not liked her. And she's gone down to kindergarten, kindergarten right now. Mm-hmm. And she, she went down from second to kindergarten. I mean, it's been years now, but 
everybody is, is like, I hope you get Mrs. Doom. I hope you get Mrs. Doom. So I, I'm sure you probably were, were pumped when you're, did the first kid have Mrs. Yes. Doom too? Yeah. Yep. So even better when they both get to experience her. So she's, she's great. She is. It's been wonderful. I just say, I hope she never retires, but it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things like, at least my kids went through when she had her. I mean, I'm not in the district. I selfishly wish I was in the Shazy district, but. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. Yeah. Um, so I guess what, what's the plans for JCO going forward? Like as a, as a vision for the next, I don't know how out, far out you plan for, if you're a very long-term thinker or kind of like, you know, pretty close in the, in the, in the vision, but um, what's your hope for the JCO, at least for as long as you can be CEO for, you know, or want to be CEO for? Bruce did tell me when I got the position, he's like, well, now you've got a good 30, 35 years to do what you want. And I'm like, oh, when you put it that way. <laughs> okay. Um, well, actually, how long was he CEO? He was CEO for 12 years and he was there for 25. Okay. Yep. Is he still a mentor for you? Absolutely. I just called him the other day okay. and I felt so bad because he was on vacation. I'm like, I thought you left next week, but he's been a great resource and continued to provide guidance. I've had to call him a handful of times. Like, does this ring a bell? Like anything you can piece together for me? A couple of venting sessions here and there just yeah. to, just to get it off my chest. That's and good he's that he's great. willing to like lend a hand and yeah, Absolutely. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm gone, but not like you can still get me. Yeah. So, so what, yeah. So what's the vision or what's goals you hope to accomplish? I mean, in short term goals, we're really looking at a lot of our efficiencies and making sure that we're operating the best that we can to provide the best service, but also to be the best we can for our staff. Um, so we're that's kind of like a short term, you know, next couple of years thing that we're working on. We had redone our strategic plan in the fall and kind of finalized that at the beginning of this year. And we're kind of gung ho. Everyone's running with different things, which is great. So a lot of it is people focused. Mm-hmm. So really looking at things with morale and how do we provide more to our staff with limited resources, which I think sometimes people assume, well, we just don't have the money because we're a nonprofit, so we can't do these things. But there are a lot of things that you can do that don't cost money that still make things better for your employees. So that's a lot of the stuff we're looking on short term. Um, Long term, we look a lot at how do we help people better understand what we do and what we're here for. That's something that I think is ongoing and really needs to be a focus for us. And then from there, I mean, kind of the limit, there's endless opportunities and options for us to continue to provide more service and grow in both counties. Um, what, what's the most, what's the thing that makes you most excited about the job? I love hearing the ideas um, that people have and trying to figure out how we can make it happen. So I've had some staff that have reached out to me, hey, can we try this? And I very rarely say no if, it, if it's something that we can do within our means. Um, so it's a lot of fun to then hear their ideas and kind of talk through, all right, how do we actually make this happen? And I'm of the mindset that if we can do something to improve how we're operating, then let's try it. Um, if it's not going to hurt us, it's not going to be a huge liability financially or anything else, like why not give something else a try? And that's been a lot of fun to kind of work with employees and our staff to talk about those ideas and okay, like this is going fine, but could it be going better? And that's really exciting for me. Yeah, I think it, it's it's driving into when you talk about the efficiency model or the efficiency of that. That's something that I've spent a lot of time focusing over the last handful of months. It's like I think we have a lot of what we need already here. Mm-hmm. Let's just be better at it, and let's just kind of look for anything that's a weakness or a time waster, or just those inefficiencies where we know we can just really polish what we have to make it the best it can be. And it's difficult because. 
one, you have to identify it. And then I find two, you have to be accepting of it in the sense of you gotta like those times I look at stuff and I'm like, I'm just not that good at that thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, hopefully we have someone on the team that has that strength, but you also have to have the humility to be like, Hey, I'm not good. And let's figure this out. And I think one of the things that I really try, um, like you had said, like the creative aspect of coming up with the ideas is so important. Um, but, and then, but the problem, the willingness to be the problem solver too, of you have to know like, Hey, things aren't as good as they can be. And we have to, you know, not be naive or have an ego and say like, my way is the best way or this way is the best way. And, and so I always challenge people. I'm like, if you have a better way, bring it to my attention. Cause like, if nobody's challenging my thinking, then we're, mm -hmm. we're basically on a one track kind of mind thing and it's not good like i need i need ideas and i'm very open to like looking at ideas and then tossing mine out or polishing and then some of it's i'm like I, I asked the uh the staff i'm like what what would be your ideal position here like if you had a wave of magic wand and you could have this job what would that look like because in my mind it's like i want to see what people other people are thinking and what their vision for because i have a vision but if i know where they're starting at or what they think we can get to and a couple of them was like I didn't even thought about that. That's an, like, let's add it. Like, let's mm -hmm. make that kind of something we can work towards because it's very doable and we have the pieces. And if you're passionate about it, the chance we're going to accomplish it is way greater because especially if you brought it up. So I find, um, I find that just that, that willingness to get everybody wanting to level up and get to that next level, wherever that might be. But I think it's just self-improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, were you, is that something that you really focus on in all like facets of life is just like, is it just work? Or are you the same at like at home? Like I want to get better at a task or a skill or lifestyle or something. I've always been a bit of an overachiever. Okay. So I would say probably in every aspect of okay. my life. Yes. Yep. Like in, in a good way. Or do you think that it's like, um, like do people just tell you like the chill at times or <laughs> <laughs> maybe or no? Who have you been talking to? <laughs> Well, I, I always, if people are like, just relax. And I'm like, I, I, mm. I, I can't. My mind's always going and I just like doing stuff. So I cannot relax very easily. Um, that is something I definitely struggle with. Same thing because my mind's always going or I'm thinking through like, what about this and to-do list? And um, so sometimes I struggle to have fun or so I'm told. <laughs> but that's something I, I'm definitely working on. Could you... Like when, if you go on like a vacation, what's a, like, mm. could you sit on like a beach and just chill and sit in the sun and do nothing? For a brief period of time, yes. If you gave me a book, absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I'm an avid reader, so that definitely would help. But if you just told me to sit there like for a long period of time, probably not. Yeah. So I'm the same. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, the, the idea of just sitting still for me hmm. is not good. And I had, um someone that t told me they go if you what was the term rest is the rest is the something for success like is the I, whatever rest leads to success basically like if you spend all week how much do you rest monday through friday and i would say very little like get up you have day to day boom 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 you go to bed and you're like holy crap i can't believe it's already friday so the person goes okay on your normal Monday through Friday, how much do you rest? I'm like, well, not, I just go. And they're like, okay, that's fine. So on weekends, how much do you rest? So I'm like, I try to rest, but then, you know, I, kids are down for a nap. I try to get some work done. I try to get up in the morning early so I can do some work, whether it be housework or catching up on work. And he goes, well, how come you don't rest as hard as you work during the week? And it like, in my mind, it was like an, it was like a paradigm shift. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like, so what should I do on weekends? He's like, 
do nothing. Like, mm-hmm. just hang out with the family or, like, read or watch TV or go for a walk. Just, like, do nothing. And I'm like – and so I've, I actually have on my phone – because I'm, again, phone person. I have a reminder on Saturday morning. I keep pushing. I'm not great at this yet. It literally just says rest hard. Like, just rest. Don't do a thing. I haven't been able to fully accomplish mm-hmm. it, but I'm getting better in the sense of I really try on Saturdays and Sundays – not to critically think like don't try to do projects don't try to overly think like spend time just doing whatever like if you want to just go for a walk if you want to hang out with the kids if you want to just sit and watch a movie just do it don't feel guilty because that guilt creeps up in me i'm like well, i got a couple hours i should probably be doing this instead of that and i find i'm really trying to get to that rest hard stage where i guess to like completely recharge the battery so when i come in on monday i'm like ready to go can you do that no. Okay. So if you figure it out, you let me know. Okay. Um, like this past Sunday was probably the most rest I've had uh, since hockey season started. Oh, you're yeah. Yep. If you're a hockey mom, you're not resting right now. Not at all. <laughs> um, but it is very difficult because if I even try to like sit down and rest again, if I don't have a book in front of me, because that can distract me. But if I just sit down, all of a sudden I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, that cabinet is like overflowing. I should probably go organize that. Oh, I forgot to strip the sheets in the kids' room and wash those. Like, wow, million other things I sh- I think I should be doing. I don't feel as bad now because not that I'm saying it's a bad thing. I just feel we're like the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I think we, we're normal. When you, <laughs> I, well, I think it's normal for people that don't. Like, there's people that like if they go in and like like kind of like punch the clock. If you work and you leave and the work doesn't take you home, then you're fine. But like. Mm-hmm. When you're in a position where work t- goes with you, but then you're also always thinking about making decisions for something, your mind never sh- shuts off. Um, now, when you say avid reader, how mm. often do you read? Pretty much every day. Can you speed read? Um, so I'm told. My husband doesn't understand how I finish books so quickly. Uh, I will say, though, that I know when I'm tired if I like fall asleep doing the whole head nod into my book. And then I'm annoyed because I haven't finished the book. Like I had one that was due back at the library today because it was one of those short ones. And I fell asleep last night with like two chapters left. So I was annoyed this morning when I realized it was due. Um, but I do read a lot, mostly like fiction because okay. I kind of need to give my brain a break. Yep. But I do read nonfiction. Like right now I'm reading something related to work um, called The Color of Law. And I'm in a book club for work. So I do mix some of those in there, but for the most part, I like to read fiction and just kind of like disconnect. Um, how many books do you go through? Like how long does it take you to read a book? Average two, 300 page book. I could probably, like if it's a normal week, nothing too crazy, I'll finish one a week. During less busy times, like if there's no hockey, I could finish two to three a week. Wow. Um, that's great. How many hours do you think you read a week? probably I mean I usually read before bed I would say probably like six to eight hours a week because then on the weekends if the kid like we make them have rest time whether they nap or not I'll try to read a little bit during that time as well do you read like in the morning do you read throughout the work day I read at night usually um, every once in a while if I'm riding my exercise bike I might read depends on my mood do you listen to audiobooks I don't and that's something that people keep asking me and I just haven't like made that leap, but it might be time. Are you a hard copy or Kindle person? Hard copy. I have a Kindle, but I much prefer to have the book in my hand. Okay. So one of my goals this year was to read, so I read that an average CEO reads 60 books a year. So my goal was to read 60 books a year. Now I'm going to say I'm cheating a little bit because it includes Audible. 
So if I listen to a book, I just consider it because mm-hmm. I got to the point where I'm like, I don't read fast. And if I'm only reading at night or in the morning, it will take me forever to get through a book. So like today I had a, basically I've been in the car, I'd say in total, maybe driving an hour and 20 minutes. So I listened to an audiobook the whole time. I also put it at 1.7 speed. So it's like fast, hmm. which is the same speed apparently that we read at normal person reads at is 1.7. So you can, you can comprehend it. They do speak faster, but you can definitely pay attention. So what happens is like the book I'm listening to now is like a 16 hour book that got chopped down to like nine hours because of the time. So I can flip through them faster, but I've only to date read or listened to five books this year, but I should be able to finish a hard copy and a listen book this week too. So that will put me to seven off pace, but I think I'm going to be able to, I got a bunch of books sitting there. I got a bunch Mm -hmm. of books at the house. I've been, I've probably bought in 30 books since December. Cause I'll just like get ideas. I'm like, that book looks good. And my, my rule for books, cause I don't have a Kindle. I like hard copy is if I want to read a book, I just buy it. Like I don't even think twice about it. I'm just like, good idea. I go pull the Amazon app, boom, click, boom, get it. And that's, um, and then because I, I don't take it out of the library cause I write in my books. Mm. So I bend pages, I scrap, I write notes cause I look at books as like a resource. So if I, like I'm reading a book right now, I underline, I circle, I highlight, I write notes in the margin. And the whole idea is that if I ever want to pick the book back up, I kind of have a quick like cheat sheet that I can go through and look up ideas. Um, and I would say 95% of the books I read, 99% of the books I read are nonfiction. So I think, which probably goes against the rest part of a mm-hmm. fiction, like escapism, because I just learn, I read for like learn purposes, but I think I got to get better at like maybe weekends being just like fiction reading. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I got to get better at that. But um, I find that, I've always heard that people that read are supposed to be like, it's just better to read for many reasons. And I always think like, well, it just takes time. Like, why can't I just like watch a video or listen? But I found that even over the last couple months with reading, I've thought of things better or more clearly than I think I have before and or able to articulate or have ideas and connect ideas. And I've only read since like I started doing this, maybe 10 books. So I think there is a correlation. So if I can get to 60, I'm like, man, if I can get to 60, I might be able to be smarter than I am now, but we'll see. I feel like reading too has been helpful with all of the virtual meetings there have been in the last two mm -hmm. years. I feel like I am on the computer and staring at a screen and on the phone so much. So it's nice to just pick up my book and not look at a screen and kind of just focus on something else that's kind of mindless, but still interesting. Yeah. So it's been really nice to have that as kind of my escape, I would say. Yeah, I, I actually bought it. Well, I was trying, like you said, if you can speed read, I bought a speed reading course that I'm mm. planning on taking. Haven't taken it yet. But the the goal would be, like you said, if you can escape, but then I can read quicker and I can get through more books. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is a win-win. So you I feel like I, less frustrated? <laughs> just I'm slow. I'm a slow reader. And I, I really try to like not voice. I try to scan it. I go through and then... It, but the people that, like you said, you can read two, three books in a week. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's incredible. It's like a superpower. I really think it's a superpower if you can read that fast. It's like a, it's like a human superpower that you can get. You can't fly, but you can get like a superpower of reading fast. I don't know. It's. I, I guess I'm lucky. My son seems to have the same trait. He can go through books like crazy. I mean, I just went to the library this morning because he went through another book. Um, and I go to the library some weeks. It's at least twice a week. Sometimes I walk up Classroom. there. Yep. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's nice too just to go for a quick walk. So I'll go up and, and get some books. But I definitely prefer the hard copy cover. And I also use the Goodreads app. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. So when people mention like a book that they suggest, I can put it on a shelf 
so I can put want to oh. read and keep track of what I read. And and that's something where you can check other people's lists. You can. Yep. Okay. I just kind of pay attention to my own, but it's helpful too because I'll go to the library and I usually just check like the newer release section or the recommended section. Um, and I'll pull it up on the Goodreads app to make sure it's not part of a series because I get so annoyed. This has happened to me a couple of times last year and I would start reading a book and I'm like, wait a second. Oh, it's like the second book in the series? Mm-hmm. That drives me crazy. Um, what's your favorite series of all time? I used to read a lot of like romance type ones that are totally predictable and I've gotten away from those. So I've been doing a lot more like suspense things, but I don't know if I would pick one series that I like. I like kind of like the psychological suspense mystery type of thing, but not gory. Um, so like I like Dan Brown. Have you read the Dan Brown books? I have not actually. Um, like those, those are, I got a handful up on, I think I have. Between my house and here, I have almost every book he's written, but they're the same thing. They're fast, short chapters, probably like 500 page books, but they're short chapters. So you can like, you can feel like, I, oh, I just got to read two more pages. I read a chapter, mm-hmm. but um, it's very, same thing, suspenseful, like thriller kind of stuff. Um, I find that those kind of books are probably my favorite ones to read of fiction. It's just, I don't read enough of them and I have to get better at it. Um, I'm trying to think of other fiction. Sometimes classic books I try to read. So Ellie, apparently, I don't know if this is true. I got to ask her if this is actually true <laughs> because she said every year she reads um, East of Eden. Hmm. Have you ever read that book? No. So ask her this because she told me that this was the case and I'm like, okay. And like when she told it, I was like, whatever. So I bought the book at the start of the pandemic. So I'm like, I'm going to read because we're not going to work. And that never happened because I just worked through the whole pandemic and I had no time to read. But I started reading this book. I, it's a 600 page book. Very, very fine writing. John Steinbeck wrote it. Have you read any of his books before? In high school, I think there was one like or Grapes two. Like Grapes of Wrath or yeah. something. So John Steinbeck is the, he's like a very, whatever, he's like a good writer, historically good writer. But he'll spend a page just describing like, like the scene outside. And in my mind, I'm like, that's great. But just tell me that the person walked through the town to get to the next place. Like, let me just like, give me the chronological order. But he does like a lot of descriptive stuff. And like my imagine like, I'm like, okay, I can imagine it, but it does to me, it doesn't add to the story. Now, mm-hmm. granted, that's my opinion. So I started reading this darn book, and it's 600 pages long, and I got to page 500, and I have not finished it. And I'm like, Ellie, there's no way you read this every year because it's the driest book in the history of books. So at, please ask her. It's called East of Eden by John Steinbeck. She knows the book. And if she actually does read it every year, I'm going to be shocked. I'm going to have to She might have been out. just like pulling my chain and just being like, I read this every year. But I read it. I'm like... Like my favorite book of all time is *The Great Gatsby*. You can—it's 200 pages. You can read it easily because it just flows. This book is painful. I want you to read it and just give me your honest opinion on the book, and talk with Ellie about it. That should be your book club, *East of Eden*. I will add that to the list, but that sounds awful. It, it's like a very—it's—it's—it's it's, it's like *Grapes of Wrath*. It's like one of those classic books, and I, I try to like—I try to read them. And my old librarian, Chasey librarian, actually read a lot of books, and I was like. I, I want to read like the classics and he mm-hmm. goes, he goes, well, who says it's really a classic? Like it's a classic in, in, in by like the term, but it, it goes, if you don't like it, then why read it? And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I don't have to read it. So I was like, so sometimes I try to read those books. I'm like, this book sucks. Like I just can't do it. I get so frustrated if I'm like, if I pick a book and I think it's going to be good and then I just can't get into it and I'm like, okay, it's going to get better. I have done it a few times, but it's pretty rare. Okay. Um, so you just I, like power through it. Pretty much. Um, I also 
will admit that I often will pick a book based on the cover or the colors. Like if I'm in that new section, that's I'll look for something that jumps out at me first and then I'll kind of read the synopsis and see if it interests me. I always find reading a synopsis are tough because you read them and like maybe, but it's like, it's almost like when you're scrolling through like Netflix and you're like that movie could watch that movie and you end up spending 45 minutes just scrolling. You never actually watch something. Mm -hmm. Do you have that problem? Sometimes. Um, and I've yet to really use that portion of Goodreads, like with the recommendations and that sort of thing. But I'll sometimes go on Pinterest and I have like a books board on there. And sometimes I'll do like psychological, psychological thrillers of the year or whatever. And it'll kind of put some together. Mm -hmm. And if there's a few in there I've read, I'm like, okay, these others probably are in line. So I kind of pull a list from there too. I have, a, there's a girl I know. She's a very, very avid reader, but she does do audible, which is fine. Cause I, she, and I mm -hmm. asked her, I said, I said, is that fair? She goes, absolutely. So it mm -hmm. still counts. She, and I, I told her she read 150 books last year. Wow. I read, listened. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I'll, I'll, I follow her on Instagram and I get it. I told her, like, I get excited when you post a new book. I'm never going to read the book. Cause like some of the books I think are cool. Like maybe I'd read, but some of them, you know, are just like, like a romance novel or something. Like, I, I'll never read this, but I'm so excited to read your synopsis or like your like review of the book. And then how many stars? And if she gives a five star, I'm always like, you got a five star. Like, this is great. But it's, it's, um, it's just funny, like how many books are out there and what people read and just how many different, cause I try to bounce around stuff, but I always end up going back to just like nonfiction, like business, self-help, personal development, things like that. But like, I have some books that are historical, um, they're autobiographies that I like, I love those kind of books, but then I also have to take the time to read them. Mm -hmm. But I don't, again, it's just books accumulate so much and there's some other ones that I'm like, whatever. But, um, yeah, uh, books are great. Uh, now, in regard to, do you guys do anything with, uh, I guess, on the talking about books, but books or literacy with you guys, or is that more through the literacy volunteer program? We actually just started something recently, a partnership with Cornerstone Bookshop, and okay. we're doing vouchers for the, some of the children in our backpack program that we operate in Clinton County, mm -hmm. so that they can go and pick out, I think it's two books, but that way they can kind of have that experience of going to a bookstore. I love libraries, obviously, mm -hmm. I go quite often. But there's also something to be said about being able to go into a bookstore and purchase your own book that is yours to keep. And that's something we actually rolled out last month and they received the vouchers and they could go in and pick that. We kind of gleaned the idea from a grant that Beekman Town School got and they okay. were doing a similar thing for their students there. So we wanted to kind of start something small, see how it goes. But that's one of those things that I don't think people realize the meaning to that. Um, and it just... It seemed to fit with what we do in providing service and obviously trying to improve literacy is important in any aspect of um, community service. So we thought that it would be beneficial. Um, do, you, do you work with a lot of adults that have difficulty with literacy? Or? We would refer them to literacy volunteers. Okay. Um, we would focus more on the side of if they're a low-income individual and helping them get access to what they need. Because I was talking to Karen there and she... Um, and I didn't even think about this when she was talking. Because I was thinking like literacy, like young kids, like learning how to read and stuff. And she goes, they work with a lot of people for second languages and mm -hmm. people that come in for trying to be citizens or jobs. And I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Because I'm like, if you go to another country, it makes sense. Like mm -hmm. they have an actual program to like kind of assimilate into the, the, the language that you're trying to learn. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, and again, when it comes down to like pe people being qualified for a job, they're the smartest person in the world, but they can't speak the language or they're mm -hmm. useless for, for the most part. So um and that's the kind of stuff like you start to learn about more and more niches around the community of people that do stuff. And it's 
I've only learned about a couple of these programs in the last few handful of years, but it's uh, it's pretty crazy what's what's out there for help for people. And I think, like I said, people like organizations like you guys are more than willing to help. And it's just more of, you know, please raise your hand and let <laughs> you know let us let us do our thing. Um, how how many people do you think? Or I mean, you probably have the stat. Like in a year, do you guys? I guess help or touch somehow kind of depends on what service we're looking at. Um, if we're talking food assistance, for instance, that's 10,000 plus 12,000 plus, um, our head start early head start program, couple hundred families that's kind of fluctuated with COVID. So it's kind of all over the place. Depends on what, what program we're talking about. Um, but that's all stuff that we break down at the end of the year and review. So food's over 10% of the population of the County. Is that, is that both counties? That's both counties. Okay. Um, we do a lot with food recovery. So millions of, like, I think it was 1.3 million almost pounds of food that we recovered and distributed last year. Food is really huge for us. Wow. And, and, like, when we did, um, like, the backpack program, I mean, the the obviously the backpack program, like, again, when you start seeing, like, kids that don't have food, like, that's, like, it, it's very tough to see. And obviously, you, you know, I think it's an awesome program. Um, but it's like when you start looking at, I don't know if it's a bad way to think of stuff, but when I always think of like volunteering and, or donating or fundraising or anything like that, my initial thought, number one goes to something local, Mm -hmm. but then I always, my mind always goes to like the basic human necessities that people need as like the first thing to donate or, or fundraise for. And, and again, I think that every organization's great, but like to me, when you start dealing with like housing or food or childcare or things like that. To me, that overthrows like something to do with like dogs or something to do with like a park or something to do. And I know they're all, a lot of those things are great and they all have merit. But to me, I'm like, if you have a human that's struggling to meet basic financial needs, like that to me is always where like, I instantly think like those people need more attention than us cleaning up a park so everybody can use it. Not that cleaning up a park's a bad thing, but I think there's got to be a, like, I always put that in my mind of like a hierarchy of like what's more important. So anything that comes down to food, I'm like, you need food, you need shelter, you need warmth. Like, so I think a lot of what you guys do is really touching on like the basic, basic human needs to like function as a person or survive as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of everything you guys do. And I, as um, I learn more and more about what you guys do, it's like, it just seems like a never ending list and that there's never, um, enough good things that you guys can do. So, um, I guess to wrap it up, how can people find you? How can people help you out? How can people be resources to you? How can you be a resource to other people? Um, kind of give us the, the spiel of JCO to take us away. Okay. So our website obviously is a great resource for kind of getting an overview of what we do. We post a lot on our Facebook page. Um, Ellie's been kind of ramping up posting more on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and other channels for us as well. So that's a great way to keep an eye on things. We have a newsletter, so go to our website, sign up for that. Um, so it's a good way to kind of keep track of what's going on. Um, are we recruiting more students for Head Start, Early Head Start, which we are, those types of things we kind of put out there in our newsletter and on our website and Facebook. So that's a great way to kind of keep your finger on the pulse. 
in terms of volunteering or supporting that sort of thing kind of ebbs and flows. It depends sometimes time of the year. So we have different needs depending on what's going on in the community. Sometimes it depends if we've gotten a grant to support something. So maybe typically we needed it for summer camp scholarships, but we got a grant and we don't right now kind of changes. Um, sometimes it depends on what space we have. So people will ask us, are you accepting X, Y, and Z? If we don't have a family that needs it right then and we don't have the space for it, we might have to say no, but we always will refer them to somewhere else that is able to take it. So really just communication, um, but definitely sign up for that newsletter. If it's volunteering you're interested in, they can contact our office as well. That can be done through our website and we keep a list. So if we have opportunities that come up, we're going to reach out to people and say, this is what we have available. Are you able to help? Um, Those are really the big things. And just if you know someone who needs something, send them our way. If we don't have the resource or we don't have that service, we're going to find where they need to go. And I think that's really important. Sometimes people are nervous to pick up the phone and call and ask for help, but they don't have to be. That's what we're there for. And again, if we can't do it, we'll help you find someone who can. That's great. Um, Yeah. So Nicole, I appreciate you coming on and I wish you all the best. I mean, you do a ton, but obviously I think, uh, you got a good heart. You're in the right place. You're leading a very good uh, organization of people. And um, like I said, I'm excited for the future for you guys. And then, and you know, as, as things, uh, I think as things go along and I, you know, am more aware of stuff that you guys do, I just find like more appreciation for what you guys do too. And hopefully that goes out into the community and people are able to, to look at, you know, where you guys are locally and, and, and try to help you guys out the best they can. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I just think everything you guys are doing is great and always for a great cause. So, um, yeah, everybody, that's episode 182 of the Gail and Trombley Show with Nicole Lauren. She's going to go, uh, I, I guess, go lead the lead or read right now, so one of the two. <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully you had fun. You did an excellent job. You were great. So, um, all right, that's it. 182. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Gail and Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.